0: Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. With the F1 season finally starting in Austria this weekend, we thought we'd introduce you to our new coverage plan when it comes to race weekend podcasts. Starting from this weekend, we'll be making more podcasts to go along with our usual mammoth analysis show that we'll record after each and every Formula One race. These new podcasts will be short, snappy, daily reactions, and that won't always mean a podcast every day, but generally a reaction to the biggest on-track events and paddock news stories. So today, we're going to start with the brand new coronavirus protocols and just how they have changed the feel of the season opener. Joining me, I'm delighted to say from Austria, is Motorsport.com's F1 editor, Jonathan Noble. How are you, John?
1: Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Happy to be out of a face mask, I must say. I can imagine. But so you've
0: had to wear one all day?
1: Well, it's been on and off. On and off today, obviously walking into the track and when people are near me, um, they're off. I think it's the same for a lot of the journalists, but we're so spread out in the media centre and when you're trying to work or get drink some water, um, it's quite hot. So when, when people are sat down, they're kind of coming off slowly. But if you're moving around or near people, then they're back on. But luckily, luckily they're not 24-7.
0: No, I can imagine, I can imagine. But is that, is that because, you know, there's sort of a, the strict thing on, on face masks, is that because F1 is sort of making, you know, being seen to make an effort, despite the fact that maybe out in the wider country in Austria, not everybody would be wearing one all the time.
1: Yeah, um, I think what, one thing is I flew in here yesterday um, via, had a connection um, via Frankfurt, um, because my original flight was cancelled, so quite a stressful night on Tuesday, wondering if this was going to end in a total disaster, but um I made it. So I got here late last night and made a dash down to a petrol station to for a glamorous dinner of some pizza, frozen pizza, which I managed to get before it shut. But I wore a face mask, walking into the garage, and the looks I got from the lady serving behind the bar and the the people in the shop as well was quite quite strange. I think there's I think where the virus is in different countries is very, very different. Whereas in the UK, you know, still a major problem and concern, much concerns of a second wave. Uh, whereas here seems, you know, much more relaxed. The distance at the airport last night was one meter in Vienna. Um, you know, our paperwork wasn't checked on the way into the country. So I think it's slightly relaxed, but I think F1's taking no risks and can't afford to take any risks that, um, you know, face masks are you know mandatory in the paddock and the pit lane uh, and most of the time up in the media centre.
0: Absolutely. I mean, what was it like just getting into the track this morning? How different was it from arriving to the Red Bull ring from previous years?
1: Yeah, so before I left for the circus, I thought it would be quite strict security around the venue. We'd we'd heard last week that um, Northamptonshire police had said about Silverstone telling fans, go away. If you get near the track, we'll we'll shut it down. So I thought it would be very similar here in Austria. Um, We'd had to have medical certificates done. We had to get passes with endless forms to fill out and get signed. Um, So I thought give me endless checks to get in but in the end there was a tiny small little security check at the gates there was one fan standing on the um the turn into the circuit waving at everyone as they they came in um then you parked the car you had a a temperature check on the winter circuit they made you wash your hands uh one further check um just to tick your name off a list and then you're into the media center so it wasn't strict but um you know, maybe it would be different tomorrow and, you know, especially different on Sunday. But today it felt like turning up at a, a private test somewhere. Didn't seem any more strict security than that.
0: That's really interesting. But uh, moving on to a point that we find particularly interesting because we're the journalists, hopefully the listeners will do too. What is it like in the media centre now? Because that's that's the only well, that's the only place in the paddock you have got access to this weekend, you and your fellow people that are on site. So what is different compared to normal?
1: Much less of a buzz. Um you know, for an F1 season opener, I, mean, I know you haven't done any, been able to do any races yet. Cause you Sadly not. And, and, I, and I, I don't bring it up all the time, <laughs> as we know. You picked the wrong year to start in Formula One. But, um, but you know, you remember the buzz in Melbourne on Thursday, you know, rammed paddock, everyone excited, everyone, you know, wanting to get it going again. So there's a huge buzz. Whereas here, it's a bit flatter. It seems slightly surreal to be at a race again after you had so many days in lockdown. Um. But the media centre desks are much more spread out. So, you know, literally two people on, two or three people on a row of desks, whereas normally you'd have six or seven all crammed in. Um, Only half the media centre has got desks on there anyway. There's a a little canteen they've set up um, with tables that have got, you know, one person consider this table and two people consider this one. So it's much more spread out, much quieter. And I think people don't, a bit unsure about the rhythm of the weekend really, because you know, having done Formula One for many years, there's, you know, there's a certain rhythm you get used to on a Thursday, you know, where, you know, where to go to, what to do, what questions to ask, how it works. Whereas today, it's totally different. we had this unique press conference, which caused a bit, of a bit of a rumble by its strangeness and how it all panned out. But um, I think everyone's just getting used to what, you know, what's been called the new normal. Uh, and I'm sure as we, as we roll on, things will evolve. But you know, I think every day this weekend is going to be a, a bit of a step into the unknown. Absolutely. It's
0: interesting talking to Christian Horner, Red Bull team boss, last week, where he said that sort of this event has set the blueprint for the upcoming races that we've got. You know, there's no spectators, how things are going to work. So obviously there will be tweaks and there will be changes made, but I think we can we can safely assume that the vast majority of the protocols in place will be will be kept as as they were. Um you mentioned that you mentioned that press conference there, John. I mean, how did it work from your point of view? Because from like from what I understand, you weren't even allowed in the room. That's the drivers were still physically sealed off from everybody from what was going on even the media that are at the track
1: yeah absolutely um it's been hard working out how how things are going to work but we found out today that the, the journalists at the track you know wouldn't be allowed into the same room as the the drivers they've been very strict about the social bubbles they don't want the risk of a you know would would be silly for fia and f1 to allow a journalist to get a driver ill uh, and roll on there so it, you can see it all makes sense so we were stuck in the media center the drivers went into a shut press conference room, which was just them, uh, the host, the FI Media delegate, and one photographer um, who was taking pictures as a, as a pool for everybody. Um, and that was it. So it was, it was relayed on TV. So it was n- not much different to how it would be, you know, the, the Zoom teleconferences we got used to over the break. So it was, it was quite remote. But the, then you lose that, the spontaneity, because you know, you've, got, you've got to pre-arrange your, pre-submit your questions. The questions that are perhaps less controversial, less difficult, get picked. Drivers find them easier to answer. But So if there are snippets, normally, you know, you know, experienced journalists will pick up on a half answer they've got, would, would push it, and you get the full response or a better response, whereas that's not possible today. So, you know, it was quite hit or miss if what they were saying was valuable or not.
0: It did remind me ever so slightly of the uh, the daily press conference briefings we got used to during the real height of the coronavirus pandemic in the UK and just the fact that, you know, there, there just wasn't that usual to and fro that you get in a press conference. Und- understandably, you would say from one point of view. Uh, but just to clear one thing up from the listeners, so uh, the, the everyone who, who's sort of a, a full-time F1 journalist has access to a special portal where we could watch along live what was going on with the, what those of us who aren't at the track, whereas I believe it is being streamed for television purposes, but not live. It's, it's going out later on. So, for example, I think it's on this evening or, or Thursday evening in the UK on, on Sky, but it's not, it's not a live broadcast, as it were, for, for everybody to just to watch along.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how it works at home. So obviously I was here at the, here at the track, but um, it operates. There'd be a 10-minute session, which is classified as for TV. So the journalists not at the track can send in questions, which get answered. Then there was a five-minute session, which was restricted for the, the journalists at the track, uh, which we could pre-submit questions for, which wasn't broadcast. Um, but you know, which is available to everyone afterwards when they they get sent an audio file. Um, so it's just a question of kind of making use of the the best bits. And I think the best, you know, the most interesting story, the biggest story today was Sebastian Vettel revealing that, you know, that there were no Ferrari negotiations. That he was told by Mattia Binotto you know, wasn't going to be a part of Ferrari going forwards. And that came in one of these extra sessions. So there is still a still a value there, and it's just getting used to this kind of the new rhythm of a weekend. So we can get the best out of the drivers.
0: And what was interesting, seeing the fact that the drivers are so sealed off and yet they're all, they were all wearing face masks. So we couldn't see really the full body language of Sebastian Vettel. Obviously, you know, those of us, uh, you, you guys could, could hear and see what was going on in that five minutes when that particular question was asked. We couldn't see his full reaction of, you know, what, what, what his body was like when he revealed, yep, yeah, Ferrari just called me up and said, we're moving on. So what, you know, was that, do you think he was making a particular point by saying that?
1: I think, I think there may be two aspects to this. First, may be the the uniqueness of the press conference format may have made him slightly more relaxed or more um, willing to say something he may not have said if it was, you know, in front of a you know in front of the um, fifty or sixty journalists inside the Ferrari motorhome with Mattia Bonotto there and the, all the Ferrari press officers around him. So it may have been a slight bit of relaxation there about being perhaps a bit more open because it seemed to be, you know, he wouldn't be aware how many people were were watching this or had access to it. And also I think, you know, you do sense a level of disappointment from him that he's not going on with Ferrari. He he went to this team to, you know, to go and win the world championship. Um, For various reasons, it's not happened. Some of it's his fault. Um, You know, a lot of mistakes over the the past few years, um, which could have been avoided. And, you know, some of those mistakes had gone the other way. You know, then the whole picture of championships can change. But some of it's also Ferrari's fault because the, the car hasn't been quick at times and Mercedes have you know, been brilliant in maintaining that advantage and staying ahead. So I think he's disappointed the Ferrari dream isn't going to happen. Um, and I think he wants to make it clear that he's, he's still hungry. He still has the desire to carry on and he's still available if, if anyone's out there in the right environment is there for him
0: absolutely it was very interesting to hear him say we you know i failed we failed we failed together very interesting part of that and sadly for ferrari judging by comments that his uh, his teammate charles leclerc said that failure is destined to carry on. We know that what they said in testing was that they're behind Mercedes and Red Bull. We know they're not going to update their car at all from testing until at least the Hungarian Grand Prix and the third round of the of the reorganised calendar. And Leclerc has said that he's 99% sure Ferrari will struggle more in 2020 than 2019. So what did you make of that comment?
1: It's the reality of where Ferrari are at. I mean, it's been hard to, it's been quite limited in terms of the the, the freedom of information that's coming out of teams during the during the lockdown. Normally, you know, as the, as the season goes on, you bump into people and little snippets of information come out and that gives you a narrative of a campaign, but that's not happened during lockdown. So we've had a hundred days of limited access to people. Um, so you, you don't really know what's been going on behind the scenes a lot of the time, um, but that's changed in the past, you know, two, three weeks. So it was only yesterday, I, I, I think that Mattia came out and explained that they'd made this decision after the test in Barcelona, that there were flaws with the car, it needed a major revamp and that's coming for Hungary. So in effect, you know, whether or not they classify it as a B-spec or something, but it will be a very big departure for the team. And I think the, the reality has hit home that how far behind they were at the test. And I think for them, they understand that, um, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull have bought updates this weekend. A lot of updates this weekend will will make a step forwards. And if this championship only runs to eight races, which is still possible, you know, it's not impossible. We don't get 15 races. You know, we may get 12, but it could be eight. Uh, and two of those races with a car that's well behind. That's a quarter of a championship gone when they're on the back foot. And that's decisive in a, in a championship battle a very different nature of the 2020 championship whatever
0: happens whether we only have eight races or we do get to something more like 15 or 18 which F1 is still targeting and have come out Chase Carey said this, uh, this afternoon that you know there'd be more information on what they're aiming to do with the calendar in sort of the, the, the coming days or the or coming weeks rather and um, but there, going back to that nature of the championship, it actually concerns Lewis Hamilton and a question he was asked during his uh, his media session, which is the fact that, like, obviously he can equal Michael Schumacher's seven world titles this year, and that would be a tremendous achievement if he if he were to do that. But if it were to come over only eight races, compared to even fifteen, even eighteen, the twenty two we were expecting to have, it would all, it would automatically be viewed kind of differently. So it was put to him, you know. Would that matter to you if you won your champion If you won your seventh championship that way? And he said no because 2020 has been such an amazing year already. First of all, and and you know, well, when I say amazing, I mean it's just been so so much has happened and so much that matters to Lewis Hamilton. First of all, the pandemic. He's aware of how you know how much that has impacted everybody else in the world, but also the Black Lives Matter. Uh, that you know the push for racial equality, and he feels that to win. The championship this year would would mean so much to him because of that. So, what did you make of of Lewis's of, of Lewis's comments today?
1: Yeah, well, there's been a lot of debate ever since F one went into lockdown about you know is the cha- will the championship be devalued? Will having is eight races worth uh, you know a third less than twenty two, seeing twenty four, twenty four races, or does it mean less than when we had a sixteen race championship? And and I think what Lewis has get across is absolutely right is that you know there is weird circumstance this year it's not a normal season teams and drivers are going to have to adapt Uh, they're going to have to approach the season in a totally different way Um, you can't rely on what you've done in the past Um, you're going to need to be pace yourself this year you're going to need to attack you can't ease off on the hope that you can catch up points at the end of the year you need to be sure that you're leading the championship at every step of the way every confirmed phase of this series so I think actually irrespective of if it is eight races or ten races, or twelve, or we get to fifteen. I think it will be a really worthy championship battle uh because it's so different, because it's so unique. And I think when we, you know, five years time, ten years time, as long as we don't get COVID twenty wrecking next year and COVID twenty one wrecking the year after, I think we'll look back on this. I think what an what an amazing achievement for whoever won the championship to have gone into this year, done what they what they've done over the the campaign, pulled off this title under the most bizarre circumstances and, and come out on top.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with that anybody using that as a stick to beat whoever the champion is with is is is, is, is completely wrong in my view. Um, but uh, also just to quickly touch on something else Lewis said, he said he's confident that Mercedes has solved the reliability problems that have sort of plagued the team in the last couple of years. It was very specific things that went wrong in 2018, but last year it was a cooling thing and it was a very, very hot race. Uh, but they think the new car has been made in such a way that won't become an issue, but do we think that perhaps cooling won't become a weekend anyway, John? Because I gather that your view out of the media centre was rather obscured by the complete rain showers that hit the track at times today.
1: Yeah, it was a massive downpour, um, short, I think shortly before the FIA press had started. So it must have been around one o'clock, half past
0: one. The, the weather knew that trouble um, ab- was coming, clearly.
1: Absolutely torrential. Enough, if that had been on Sunday, there wouldn't have been a race. And it's been quite, uh, be quite amusing to think that if after all this I think it's 111 days now since Australia was shut down. If the weekend we come back, it's rained off and, we, and doesn't take place, it would be a remarkable, uh, remarkable circumstance. Well, you know, that he can run on the Monday. Well, exactly. And then as someone pointed out, it's the, the one time in F1 history that you could run the race on a Monday and it wouldn't cause too many headaches. So, But the weather looks un- unpredictable. Um, I've seen tonight uh, blue skies. I've seen clouds. I've been in a rain shower. So it's all over the all over the place. Um which is great, more unpredictability. We always love that.
0: Absolutely. Well, what sort of sense did you get coming out of the home team Red Bull? How was Max Verstappen? His first time. He's been a little bit away from the team because he's not been able to get into the UK because of the quarantine protocols. Or obviously he could have got in, but whether that was worth him doing doing that. So yeah, what 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 sense you got? Did you get from Red Bull today?
1: I think they. I mean, Max is always someone who keeps keeps his cards close to his chest. He's never going to won't declare any huge ambition beforehand. But I, I think what you can tell by what he hasn't said today. And he hasn't said, played things down very much. He hasn't said, oh, we're on the back foot. Hasn't said any of that. He's fairly sure that, you know, sure he's missed out on driving an F1 car on the brake. He's missed out on being in the Red Bull sim, um, which are issues. He says he has done some track dates though, but wouldn't elaborate where and when they were. So uh, he'll be up to speed quite quickly. We know the Red Bull have got the updates. We know the level of confidence that Christian Horner has had. We've read your interview in Autosport um so i think they're more intrigued to know where they stack up against mercedes i don't think they're you know overly confident they've definitely got a mercedes beater by sense they think you know they're in with in with a sniff and max has always been clear i remember when we spoke to him pre-season he said just get me within 0.3 seconds of the mercedes and sorted." I'll do the rest.
0: If it's a short season, those early wins are going to be are going to be really, really key. Um, just quickly, because as I said, we are going to make these uh, sort of daily podcasts quite short and snappy. Uh, just to touch on, obviously, as you mentioned, John, a lot of uh, updates coming uh, throughout the field. Uh, the most notable things we saw today was the new front wing and new barge boards on the Renault. But how easy has that been to spot, giving, given that no one has access to the pit lane and the paddock?
1: Well, I think these things, the, the journalists, it's quite funny being in the media centre today, because the media centre is quite high up. It's above the main grandstand um, on the start-finish straight. So you actually get to glance down at the pit lane. And the photographers um, the photographers have been split into two camps here. So there's photographers who work for teams and will you know, provide garage shots, pit lane shots. They're, they're allowed in the paddock, but have to stay in the paddock. They can't go anywhere else or mix anywhere else. And they've got to embed themselves with the teams. Then there's a, a track photographers who can only do the track and be in specific places on the track. They can't go to the paddock but they're in the media centre with us. So whenever cars were being rolled out today, you saw these huge long lenses, and they'd all gather at one corner of the, the media centre, and there would you'd be 10 of them all f- furiously snapping away with their long lenses to get close-ups of bits. There are a few TV um, reporters who are allowed into the paddock um, to do interviews on set days, um, so a few images from there. So these, these pictures do get out, and the tech experts, you know, people like George A. Piola and Matt Summerfield and Jake boxall Leg look at that they're able to spot you know all these tiny stuff i can never i'm not a huge expert unless someone comes and explains oh this is new and this is why it's done but uh, i'm not great at looking at a front wing and going "Yep, yeah, that's definitely totally new
0: that tiny little piece that's worth <laughs> 10 million pounds that's yeah exactly that suddenly appeared in the same <laughs> color in the same place as the old one was now i get you i get you are you aware of any changes that are sort of already being made in terms of this has been the first day that that it's sort of been publicly what's what's been seen going on at the track has there been any updates already on those coronavirus protocols
1: the only change so far has been the change to the curfew uh restrictions because the teams you know want jobs are going to take a longer time to do this this weekend so they're going to maximize the hours they're working um so there's a curfew in the morning and i think the teams came to the conclusion that what we normally get each morning is uh if, if curfew ends at nine o'clock then there'd be a queue of staff waiting outside the paddock gates at nine o'clock ready to go in because any team member goes in early, team loses a joker or can get fined or they realise today that having a queue outside the paddock at the allotted time uh, wouldn't be very wise. So teams are allowed in half an hour earlier, so now they can stagger their entry, but they won't be allowed to work on their cars. So I think it's just a, a tiny procedural uh, matter, but I think it will make life better and allow more social distancing, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, very sensible move there. Well, John, thank you very much for joining me. Hope you have a good evening.
1: Quick bite to eat, and then um, look at the mountain view outside my window. Yeah,
0: enjoy your enjoy your solo, you know, your solo contemplation, as it were, in Austria. <laughs> Well, yes, John, as I said, thanks for coming on the show and thank you to you for listening. Just before we go, we'd like to remind you that as of today, Autosport Magazine is back after a short break due to the pandemic and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents. There'll be a new issue for you to pick up every Thursday from now on, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast